0: Wait a minute. minute. Hear this. Growth Farm Production. This is the Scalable Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenti. And each week, we will go on a journey, a journey that will inspire you, motivate you, and help you be the very best you can be. Our focus will be on mindset, tactics, and the strategies that will enable you to create more opportunities and win more deals. All right, so Morgan, thanks very much, man, for, uh, for joining, joining me today and joining our community session. And uh, just before we get going, I just want to say thanks to our partners um, who bring this content to life. We're pretty fortunate to have Antimatter Marketing Studio, Hawk, Decipher, Agorapulse, um, you know, work with us. So that valuable content for our, for our community. So I just want to say thanks for jumping on. Um, and yeah, do you want to maybe just give a quick introduction to who you are and why you've become such an incredible voice on LinkedIn.
1: Oh, yeah. So I uh, started off as a sales development rep uh, in 2016, was creating content. Uh, it was around the time where there wasn't really any content at all, except for people that were you know, probably doing consulting or even business owners. It was very, very rare at the time. And I created something called the SDR Chronicles, which documented my journey as an SDR about five months into the role and did that for... Six to maybe, yeah, six to 10 months every single day, posted a video through YouTube and put it on LinkedIn. And then from there, uh, once I got it started, starting to get more active in that, I became a manager and went on to be a sales trainer uh, for three and a half years. I worked at JB Sales. I trained companies that you all are familiar with uh, Zoom, which we're on right now, Snowflake. Uh, Salesforce, Slack, a couple that to mention, and I've taken all the experience that I've had in content creating for the past seven, eight years, and now help organizations uh, amplify their brand narrative through organic content by doing employee advocacy programs. So excited to talk about content today and my journey, and and answer any questions people have here as
0: well. Yeah, awesome, man. And and I want to say thank you. I'm, I'm grateful for the content you put out there. And I know if for our community, if they're not following you already, we will absolutely put a link of where they can follow you because you do put a lot of valuable content out there. Um, And this is why I think it's really important, this conversation, because if we have a look at um, globally, there's some trends around inbound is dropping a little bit, right? I think most companies are seeing that, that there's been a drop in inbound, um, inbound leads. But when i talk to you when it comes to creating pipeline what are some of the things that the most important fundamentals that you see salespeople, anyone marketers should be thinking about when it comes to creating more pipeline
1: so i guess salesperson marketing person is going to have a different lens <laughs> on, on how they're going to come out and create the yeah. pipeline so uh let's let's give like three to five key ways number one this one people don't think about often, especially salespeople, because most people, when you think about getting pipeline, you think, oh, okay, I gotta go do a cold call, a cold yeah. call, a cold email, et cetera. Well, that's actually not the case. Like anything that revolves around you getting pipeline is a pipeline lead generation activity. So yeah. my number one, I'm gonna say is referrals. Mm-hmm. I, I think people are just just completely miss out on this one. If you've closed a piece of business as a seller, and as a marketer, you could also, you know, market to your, the people that are customers too, right? But a seller should know, okay, I've closed, you know, X amount of piece of business. I need to go back to these people and ask, like, do they know one or two people like them that I could potentially get in front of? According to the data, any type of referral that you get is going to be a faster sales cycle than something you get cold. So I think that's a huge opportunity that people are missing out on across the board. Number two is if. You already have one already. Great. If you don't, this is something to consider. Podcast. Podcast is actually one of the most stealth ways to get a lead generation because you invite people that you want as a customer on the podcast to talk about themselves for an hour. Most people want to talk about themselves, right? So it's like the easiest way to get someone that you've been looking to get in front of. Hey, we have this unique perspective show that we do. It helps us do X, Y, and and Z. You get to come on and talk about it. Great. Great. And if you're trying to get in front of people who are who have super busy time, maybe it's not an hour. You know, I, I have clients that I recommend and say, hey, look, keep it 15 to 20 minutes. It doesn't need to be crazy. You just need to get in front of that person for that hour or or for the 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it is to have the conversation. So podcast is another way to get that lead in there. Three, I always recommend video. I think it's different in every region and, and I understand that, but video is always going to be a good way to stand out. It creates that human connection that you won't be able to have typically if you're not doing a ton of in-person events. So that's a great way to get advantage there and get in front of people and all those different things. Uh, I still believe at the end of the day, if you can do it, calling is always good. Uh, I always say a good, a good cold call is never is going to hurt anybody. you know, Most people are not doing it as much. So that's another avenue that you can go about. So those are ways that you can start building that pipeline um, outside of all the other activities that are out there.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And there's some really good good tips. And I just want to because i think I want to go back a step because i think for all of us right in any role the the premise around creating pipeline or you know from a marketing perspective if we want to have more conversations because we want more qualified buyers in our pipeline and i think some of the the, the tips that you've just mentioned are critical in in creating those conversations and top of funnel awareness but I just want to go back a step because you were one of the early adopters from a sales development perspective that started to leverage a personal brand in creating conversations, right? And, and, yep. and that's what enabled you to have so much success because you had that personal brand and then you used your different outreach activities to kind of you know, blow it up. Can you just talk to us first of why having a personal brand in 2023 is critical in, in creating pipeline.
1: I think overall, it's not only important to create pipeline, it's in, important to create pipeline for opportunities in the future as well. Mm. Uh, you have to think about like what's going on in the market, layoffs, things of that nature. I'm not saying that like, you know, hey, everyone, you know, doom and gloom, but these things are happening. So building a yeah. brand gives you opportunities before you need to actually look for opportunities. So you're always prepared and you're always good to go. That's like... First and foremost, now yeah. in terms of it building pipeline, depending on what industry you're in and what market you're in as well, you first and foremost need to build a brand where your buyers are. Most people here, I'm assuming, unless someone tells me differently, uh, LinkedIn is probably going to be the place where your buyers at. But if it's not, yeah. you know, Twitter might be somewhere you need to build. I mean, if to the nth <laughs> M- degree, maybe you need to be on Pinterest. I don't know. But my whole point <laughs> is that like the more and more people see you commenting or putting out content the more they're going to remember you when you email them or call them yeah when i was doing sales training i was able to get a lot of meetings in closed business because people had seen my content before when i was in sales cycle someone'd be like oh i've seen his post before right that obviously is going to help me way more than the person that has not seen the post of of yeah. the person that could be my social competition to the point where i become the person that people want to speak to because they've seen my content and they already have familiarity with me so if you're a service-based business this is pretty much like you need to be doing this like a hundred percent uh from a product standpoint it's still something you should be looking at because people connect with people and the more you can make that relatable to your product and your brand the better
0: yeah absolutely <laughs> and can you like from a, a um sharing content i think even though when we're on LinkedIn, we're seeing a lot of content, but there are still a lot of people that are apprehensive about sharing content. And I think, you know, this is where there's a great opportunity for a lot of a lot of sellers. It's about where they can actually start to create content and put a bit of a voice and thought out there about a particular topic, and and, and achieve what you just said, right? Create that awareness so that builds that trust. And reduces that relationship tension and fundamentally makes it easier to then convert them into the pipeline or through the pipeline. Can you just talk us through when you first started creating content, what were some of the barriers that you had to work through before you got that confidence to start sharing content all the time? So
1: I think the biggest, I don't know, people in the chat, you can also comment to this as well, right? Uh, The biggest
0: barrier that I had
1: was what other people thought of me. Because when you create content, it's just it's out there, right? Like anybody can see what you posted, right? Uh good, bad, or ugly. So, you know, someone could be like, I absolutely don't like this person now because this one take that they had. And uh yeah, that's a reality, right? So that was the biggest thing for me, is like I just didn't know how people were gonna think about me. And I didn't I didn't really like that. And so that's why I didn't really post as much. And also I didn't do a lot of videos either, because I didn't want people to like See me and, like, you know, not like my voice or not like the way that I talk or, you know, whatever it may be. So mm. I had a huge problem with that. I also, as well, like, um, I was a sales rep five months in. It was my first job out of college. You know, what, what could I share on a platform, mm. you know, where people have 20, 30 years of sales experience or whatever that may be, right? They're going to be like, who, like, what is going on? So I had all these things in my head that prevented me from doing it. And I remember going to a public branding workshop before I actually started creating the content and just now it is what it is. And someone was like, Hey, you know, what's the reason you're not doing videos? And, you know, I gave some excuse, like all the things I just told y'all. And he was like, well, you're being selfish. And I was like, okay, like, (laughs) what are we talking about? Like, what do you mean? I'm being selfish. And, and this, in his point was valid. He was like, "What?" you have to share in your experiences could impact or empower one person. And if you decide not to share, you might be missing out on impacting that individual. And and when you think about it, you posting once a day can be impactful for that one person you're looking to get in front of. And that could change the trajectory of that entire person's life. And I've actually seen that where people who are big content creators today took the inspiration of what I've done and have taken it to the next level in their own way. And so I look back at his advice and his, you know, aggressive statement, and he was absolutely right. If I didn't do that, you know, maybe someone doesn't create the content. And maybe maybe they do. But the thing is, I know that I can I helped with that inspiration. And I think also as well, it helps you break the noise because now you can be seen as different. On your resume and also in the marketplace it makes you more valuable as a whole
0: yeah that's awesome advice actually don't be selfish because your what you what you post can actually have a really great impact on others and when we talk about what you post uh i think a lot of people want to post but they struggle to think about what what can i post that will create value for my audience you want to talk us through um your process that you go through when creating content
1: so the biggest thing that i do before i even step into the realm of creating content and this is an evolution process because this answer for me has changed over the past seven years is what i want what do i want to be known for so when i first started it was just like i just want to be known as the sdr person because i was an sdr it's like i want to be known as one of the best sdr people so that's what i did for like three years and then it shifted as I got deeper into training and I was like, well, I want to be known for prospecting. Like top of the funnel, prospecting. It doesn't matter. And so I wrote that out for like another couple of years. Now like it's it's changed. Like I want to be known as one of the and it's kind of it's a shift. I want to be known as one of the most creative marketers out there. And then also as well able to create creators um from 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 the ground up right? That's what I want to be known for now. Now that shifts my content. That shifts the way that I go about things. But I know that's my main core, right? And so once you know what your main core is, then you could shift what you want to be known for. And you have to start there. Otherwise, it doesn't really matter. Your content's just not going to land. Then the next step I do is, what are the five pillars of that content? Because you have to think of it as a table, right? The frame of a table can is great. But if it doesn't have the legs to support it, it will fall. So your pillars are your are your legs that support your overall, what do I be known for? So those five things could be anything. So mine around that topic are You know, constant repurposing and creative content strategy. So, that I'm talking about that. Uh, Two, I'm talking about AI. Everybody wants to know about AI and marketing and sales and the things of that nature. Uh, I still have the sales background. So, I'm still going to talk about sales from time to time uh, because that's going to be, you know, that's going to be important. Uh, Number four, I'm talking about video games because I'm a huge fan of that. I think it's important to talk about something that's uniquely to you uh, so you can stand out in your content. Uh, I think that's, you know, that's going to be absolutely important. And then five is more like personal stories. So, I have that as just like a pillar. It's like just being more personal. With the audience on like my journey as a founder and those things of nature. So that's the way that I go about it. And then I'm like, how do I deliver that content? So that could be through videos, that could be through long form, that could be through a show that I have. That's how I decide to create the content. I'm always in some type of conversation so I can pull things out of what I said to then create that longer form content.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so what do you want to be known for is the first part of this whole process. Get clear on that. Then the next thing is having the pillars of content. So the particular topics or themes that support what you want to be known for and then think about how do I then deliver that content to my audience. Now you Mm -hmm. spoke about the different forms like video, short form, long form. Can you maybe just walk us through that process and, and and how you then create like a short form piece of content and what does that look like
1: so i follow a method called the angel falls method so i don't know if anyone knows this i, I did some google searching uh, around this the biggest waterfall in the world is called angel falls it's in venezuela and it's an uninterrupted waterfall so essentially whether you're in a sales role marketing role uh, across the board you have to think about how can i keep my content going yeah so it doesn't stop most people their content just stops then they make new content which raises resources and wastes time. Every single thing that I do, I repurpose it. Cause I took the time to make it. So why not? Right. If you think about things and things in the world like that are successful, it's just been like repurposed over and over and over again. Star Wars has done it. Lord of the Rings has done it, right? Marvel's done it. <laughs> Disney's done it. Right. If you just look at the world, everything's been repurposed, right? There's nothing like inherent. If you really like look at the past movies, like there's nothing like new. It's all like repurposed from an idea and they just keep yeah. going, right? And they just remake it over and over again and we still buy it. So so clearly it's a thing that works, right? But the miss though in content and the way that I go about it is how do you do it from from the quality uh, from the beginning all the way into the end? Yeah, And quality can mean high production, but that's not what I mean. Quality is being thoughtful. Most mm. content is not thoughtful. It's just content because we have to do it and check a box, which is what you don't want. So the way I go about this is saying, "Hey, what are like the highly produced things that I'm gonna do, or highly quality things I'm gonna do?" So I have a show weekly, it's Muffins with Morgan. I bring on a guest. We eat muffins. We answer sales questions and marketing questions and content questions. Like that's what I do. Then uh, also as well, I go on like different podcasts. Uh, you know, every so often a month, and I know that will lead into content that I can repurpose and use moving mm-hmm. forward. I also do that as well. Um, and then I also go and do like different shoots in person, but this is just me. Everyone's different. And then I will just answer questions and then we'll get a lot of in-person content. Uh, I recently did it and got like a hundred videos out of it. So now I'm good to go for like probably the next three, four months. But the thing is, I just do things in pockets so that I don't have to do it every single day and overwhelm myself. Uh, But you always have to think about at the top of the waterfall, how can I repurpose this content all the way through? An hour conversation, a 80 page ebook can be transformed into a mid-form piece of content like a blog post or even a linkedin post Mm -hmm. and then a mid-form content goes into short form content which is like a TikTok, a youtube short or tweet all of these can be repurposed thoughtfully but your your, but your top but basically the top of the waterfall has to be good
0: yeah that's gold i love this and you know for those in our community we had an incredible session um last month on 94 ways to repurpose content so i think that will absolutely accelerate what, what um, Morgan's talking about today. But again, I just want to go. You, you mentioned the, co- the content should be quality um, and always thinking about how can I repurpose content. Um, but if I can just also go back to the start of your journey, because again, some of the things that I hear from people that are sharing content is hey, I've shared some content, but nobody's liked it. Nobody's engaged with it. Why should I keep sharing? Right. Um, can you just again walk us through? The process that you went through when you started sharing didn't necessarily get engagement and how you Mm -hmm. just continued to motivate yourself to keep on creating and sharing content so number one thing
1: is we have to treat this like working out and that's the biggest obstacle right when you work out you don't go to the gym for like two weeks and then all of a sudden like you have the results you want it take it takes time it takes like 90 days i think effectively for for other people to start seeing results from from your working out it takes six months for you to like truly see the change according to like this, the data i'm not a physical trainer by the way so i could be wrong on this this is just what the data says right so when you're posting content like yeah there's some people that are anomalies and they'll post like twice and then they'll go viral like there are people like that. So I'm not saying that there's not the case. And I've and I've seen people do that. But for the most part, it's gonna take you like three, four months. It took me four months until like I started seeing real traction consistently. Yeah. Uh and now I just post every single day. So, you know, it it it's it's part of the game now for me. However, if I were to go back and look at what I did to be successful that requires a little bit more effort, but I think it allowed for me to have a really strong community right from the beginning was every single like that I had, I would thank them for the like and ask them what do they like about the post. And then I'd have a conversation with them. And then I would say like, what is what are some other pieces of content that you would like to hear from me? So then they would tell me like, hey, I want to know how to handle this objection via email. So then the next day I'd make a video around that. I'd send it to him and said, Hey, I made a video to answer your question. Like what else? So I actually was just like, people say like, how do you not run out of content? Well, it's not that difficult because Mm -hmm. people will always, are always going to ask you questions as you continuously create content. People are going to, you're at least going to get one or two or three likes, right? Uh, Over the course of three months, you're going to get some engagement, getting nothing for three months. Like typically is not going to happen. I could, but typically it's not. So if you stick for three months, you're going to get people to like it. Now we're following up with them saying, Hey, what, what, what do you want to hear from me? And then that's where that's where we dive into it.
0: This is a really interesting concept, right? Um, because I think what you're what you're trying to do is in this whole process is you're creating content for your audience. And then you're engaging with your audience to find out exactly what they liked about it and what else they want to learn so that, again, the content that you're creating is fit to purpose for the audience. Exactly. Yeah, which is amazing. And and I think the other thing you mentioned as well is the community associated that you're trying to engage. You just walk us through the importance of really engaging and supporting your community
1: community i feel like is a term that people throw out a lot mm-hmm. and say like, hey we have this community we have this thing we have a slack group lit it up so when you think about community you think of it as it's different places where people connect with you so it could be on linkedin it could be a podcast it could be a webinar it could be a newsletter like people just connect with you in different ways across multiple different platforms right yeah uh that's that's like the main thing now when we look at objectively across the board on how you should approach this I always say, you know, in the beginning, reply to every comment that you can, you know, DM them if you can, uh, find other people in the space that you can comment on as well. All these things do take time. I'm not saying that they're not, these are like walk in the park things, but if you're looking to build the community and be a part of the community, you have to be in the community and you have to be social on social media. So that Dude. involves you uh, commenting, engaging, and talking to people in order to get that done.
0: Yeah. And this is awesome, man. And I've got like so many, I've actually got notes I'm taking from this, but. Again, I want to I want to go back a step again because I think you're giving us some incredible strategies on how you go about thinking about creating content and then repurposing and then starting to engage can you also walk us through how you went about scheduling and finding the time? Because that's the, again, another barrier that I hear from many salespeople. You've probably heard it before, mm. right? I don't have the time to create content. I don't have the time to share content on social. But you were in the seat. You've done it for years. And and, and again, mm. for, for our audience, you've got over now, what, over 150,000 followers on LinkedIn. You're the mm. top voice. You've got courses on LinkedIn now. LinkedIn um, have created courses or your courses that they promote through LinkedIn Learning. So you've been able to really amplify your brand. But can you just go back to the days where you were selling and you had a job Mm -hmm. as an SDR, but you also made time for content creation and sharing content? How did you go about creating that time?
1: Yeah. So when you think about it, everyone has time is just like how do we go about it and the big piece that I'll give feedback on is i i'm going to break down like how i do it is all right context right i don't i'm not married i don't have kids right so i know those two things can take up time for sure right so like so like i those two things i don't have so like okay i get it that that those are things that i can't Coach, or tell you on like when that happens, and like maybe my answer will change, but I'm going to give you the answer. Like, if you are in the sales role, this is still possible. So I just took everything that was happening in my role and I just talked about it. The thing is, we all have time to like put things out there it's just we might be afraid of like how it's going to present because we have to think about it a little bit more because it's something we don't do mm-hmm. but on a day-to-day basis you, the content is already there the content is yeah. in the conversations and even even now it's actually it's actually easier to do it right there's like tools like gong i use phantom like core whatever that could record your conversations you can literally throw it into chat GPT and say hey can you give me the highlights of this conversation and tell me how i can make this into content and then Mm -hmm. it'll give you ideas on how to make content and then you can make content so like it's actually easier at the end of the day than it was when i was doing it because we didn't have ai we didn't have recording tools we didn't have all this stuff you couldn't like you couldn't edit things the in the crazy way that you used to like these are all things that like <laughs> these are all things that like just weren't there. So now that you have AI, you have recording tools, this actually is a lot easier, in my opinion. But the thing that I did is I just time blocked it out. Like I made a commitment after work to do these things. Uh I-, I believe uh after the nine to five is where you truly can thrive. So, you know, if you spend two hours being like, I'm gonna write a post for this week, uh, you're already ahead of the game than most people. But I would just say document over create. I mean, even when I was doing sales training, that was actually harder for me to create content. I still did it every day. Traveling, doing all day Mm. sessions from like eight to five, getting on a plane going to the next session going to going on a plane going to the next session doing webinars and actively selling full time sales training while being a full sales cycle rep and prospecting like that's still a lot of time that I'm yeah. spending doing that right so the way i thought about it was just documenting my process and then sharing that content with other people that's just the way that I, I think about it. However, I know a lot of people, that's not how they think. So they may not do that. But in terms of like saving yourself time, you're already doing the content is you and what you're doing. You just need to articulate that more.
0: Yeah. So, this is great, right? And I think one of the things I've just put a, a quick statement in our chat is I think a lot of the time barrier is not the the actual key objection. It is a bit of fear around, you know, creating that content. So I, th- I liked what you spoke about. Address the fear first because that'll break that barrier. And then if you really do see value in it, you'll find the time. But you talked about time blocking. And this is another thing that I love in the content that you share. And you're open about sharing your calendar and how you color code certain things um do you set time in your calendar to do batch content creation where you will batch it out for the next week or two so that you are a bit more effective with your time
1: uh i do i've been really bad about this lately <laughs> as, I, as i I have i've been like in build mode, so like i haven't really paid attention to my own content as much as i normally yeah. do it's just kind of been i've just been repurposing old things and mean like all right cool i'm I don't know, i'm gonna move on because i have bigger content that's coming forward so i've actually transparently not done a good job of this but but i'm getting back into it now so the way that i go about it is just like i mentioned i'll take a day yeah And I'll create content for like the next three to four months. Now, um, most people may not do that. They may just do it for, they'll take a day and do it for the next two weeks. That's fine. Or or take a day and do it for the next week. I create content for like the next quarter because I'm like, let's just get it all in. I don't have time to think about this every single day. Like maybe I used to, but the way that I do it is I just block off like a Friday afternoon. Yeah. And just say, okay, what do I want to share for the next two weeks is how I used to do it. Um, and then to the point where I would actually block off a Friday at the end of the month where people are you know scrambling and stuff like that or whatever it may be, I would block off the afternoon once I've like, you know, done what I need to do. If I'm still scrambling, that's fine. But I would use that day or the last Friday of the month and then I would spend all my time creating content for the next month or next two weeks. So then I have to think about it. So I find that the content day... For each month was helpful for me to get myself out there across the board. I know everyone may be different, but that was a massive game changer for me personally.
0: Yeah. So actually, have a content day where you're creating that content, so then you you've got content to basically pull from from and repurpose. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And just in, just from a um a, from a sales perspective, how have you gone about using some of that old content to? engage with prospects that you you want to be talking to in terms of like using the content sharing with them yeah like have you got any strategies because you know you talk about having a great piece of content and you want that waterfall approach is your only strategy when it comes to engaging with prospects just posting or do you send them direct messages do you share that content directly with them like talk us through your your process
1: yeah well so okay so for me personally it's different than like what i recommend to client so what i what I for me personally uh what i'll do is if it's something i think of example something i've done recently so let's say that it's something that has to do with like maybe a tip that i'm sharing around like sales navigator maybe i'm looking to get mm. in front of somebody yeah i'll share that post and say hey posted this today this might be helpful for your team right and, and throw it in a dm i'll definitely do that for sure um linkedin events I'll do that as well share people say hey this this event might be insightful for you check this out right in terms of the content um so that's the way that i'm doing it or tagging people based on a conversation we had so it's nothing too crazy however in terms of repurposing through the company you should be repurposing your content through employees that have raised their hand that want to create more content and so what happens is most organizations are just like, cool, we're just going to tell you to do this one thing. We're going to buy this platform that's an employee advocacy <coughs> platform. Uh, we're going to post the same thing on the same day and it's generic and it doesn't matter. So that's not going to be helpful. What you really, really want to focus on is like, hey, can I take this from like somewhere else? And then basically effectively put it over here uh, and then through an employee and then have them have their own spin to it is the key. But how I personally do it is any repurposed content or every every content that I post, I am going to message someone about it and be like, hey, here's something to check out. I will do that from time to time,
0: depending on what I'm doing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I I I like where you're going with this. Um now you spoke about some of your tools. Do you mind giving our audience a bit of a so just some insight into the tools that you use to create content? Like, do you need, you know, uh a full-on studio? Uh, because obviously, <laughs> you know, I think for again for a lot of people, they come up with reasons why they can't create content. I don't have the best camera, I don't have you know a mic like we've got but we didn't start like this so can you maybe just again walk us through what are the tools that we should be leveraging and being empowered by to use to create content
1: it's a good question um because it's there's two parts to this there's the tech and the tools the tech and the tools yeah. are two for things
0: yeah so uh as of
1: right now obviously y'all can see i have a camera it's a sony camera i have a ring light here in the corner Um, I have a mic. I have other things that are here as well. Lights in the background. Like I don't expect anyone to have all this, by the way, this has been something I've wanted for like seven years. So (laughs) like since I first created content, so this is like, this is took a lot of time. I just got this like, yeah, last year, like 10 months ago. So like after six years of creating content, I decided I wanted to upgrade it, but that was years (laughs) after like not having this set up. So I want to clarify because people think that like this has been forever like no like this has been time for me to get here the only thing that truly matters when you're creating content for the most part if you're doing video especially is a light because i'm looking over here literally a light and good audio that's like all you really need because if you have really good lighting it will offset you having a a okay camera and then as long as you have good audio because people are listening to you that's fine but for the most part you don't even need that because if you're a good writer and you want to go writing lane you don't need all this stuff i have you're Mm. fine you, you're just a good writer so you don't need these tools i have them because i'm a video person and if you're a video person you would need these um when i think of the tools though uh there's a t- there's a ton of them i think chat is actually really good for it to brainstorm and think of ideas i don't think it's for just writing the post but it is good for the idea part i think number two if you think about the way that you're going to do the content and strategically think about it i think that grammarly is really good to yeah. get, check out your errors grammar all you know all the things that it's there for so I think that's another great tool. Uh Taplio, I think, is another tool that schedules out the content. So that's a good one that you can go leverage as well. So those are things that on a continuous basis that I'm using to be successful in the way that I personally create my content.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you've got the must have. So if you are creating video, have a camera or have light and good audio. Sorry. If you're more of a written person, but you know, having chat GBT, Grammarly, and then Taplio to schedule content. Can you just go cuz when we when we think about um ChatGPT I think I know that I've gone through this process what's your opinion on the way in which like if people are going to use ChatGPT to sort of create content do you think It'll create a bit of like a disingenuous feeling that that's not being Because like with you. We look at your content; you've created that content, right? Now, if you're going mm-hmm. to an AI tool to create content because you want to be out there, be seen, will the will the audience kind of look at that and go, "I'm not really engaging with that; it's not authentic." What's your thoughts on? I it? think
1: I think if you have it, just write the post. The way that I think about the way that I think about using ChatGPT is it's for ideas, it's not for the creative. Right. You are the creative, ChatGPT gives you ideas. So if I wanna write a post on something, but I'm stuck, sure. I need to be like, hey, like, can you give me ideas on like what I could be thinking about this post? And I'm not saying copy and paste it. I'm just saying use that as the framework to then create your own creative on top of. Yeah, that's the key. Most people, this is where they're gonna fail, and I've already seen it. ChatGPT comments, which I don't know if y'all seen it. It's the worst thing of all time. You can tell when it's a ChatGPT comment. It's like this is terrible. What, what you need to be focusing on is how do I use ChatGPT to come up with better ideas? Yeah, that's and then cool. from those ideas, and then I can then I can add my creative on it. So the voice will always still be me, but I might not be like in the mode to like really come up with good ideas. I'm going to use ChatGPT to get that.
0: Yeah. And then you build on
1: it. And then you build from there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Awesome.
1: Um, Any other tools that we should be thinking about? Those are... I'm looking at things I have over here. Those are the main ones that I recommend in the beginning. Because here's the thing. If I give you like, hey, here's 10 other tools, it's too many. Is tool overload it's actually one of the biggest problems in like sales tech yeah like people have too many tools but they don't know how to actually use them because they don't have the skills to do them so mm-hmm. as, a, as a as a creator you don't want a thousand tools yet because you got to figure out what your voice is you got to figure out how to like just get yourself out there and yeah. those three tools are a good start and then you can start moving into like more of the advanced things that can help you, et cetera. But those three tools are, I think, are a good subset to start.
0: Yeah. And, and you did speak about earlier about recording software, right? So actually recording your calls and stuff so that you can you can transcribe it. I guess you
1: can add that to what I was saying. Yeah. You want to be yeah. able to use like a fan. Uh, again, I use Phantom, but like everyone can use what they want. But the thing is, is that like, so here's, I'm not affiliated with them anyway. So don't be like, hey, Morgan's <laughs> just really sh- like going hard on this right now. But like, here's my point, And this is why I actually use them. So it's free. That's also a big part of it. But the, the, the larger part of it is in the middle of a conversation, like I'm talking to somebody on a call, I'm like, whoa, whatever I'm saying right here actually is pretty good. I can like bookmark it while I'm talking. Mm. Right. So now later I can use that as content and I don't yeah. have to think about it. And now I can be like, cool, I got a piece of content from the hours of calls that I had instead of me thinking about it. So that that's why I like it in the middle of calls. I can bookmark it. I can be like, that was great. I can, I can give it feedback and that's like what, what I aim to do.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love this. Hey, if you could go back and start your content creation journey again, what's one thing you would do differently?
1: Mm, I don't have, I don't have a lot of true regrets on things when I did that, but I think I would have started capturing data newsletter earlier. I didn't really know what that even meant at the time, to be honest. I just knew I needed to grow on a platform and I needed to give free advice and I needed to just be me. So yeah. that worked. However, I would have started capturing earlier. I would have I would have had way more people on my newsletter, like okay. probably you know, tens of hundreds of thousands easily. But it's something I missed out on. I'm not like sitting here like crying about it, but like if I had to go look back at it again, like I would have definitely done more of that for sure. And I would have remained consistent in things that worked. Like I stopped doing YouTube and I went all in on, on LinkedIn. I stopped doing Instagram and I was doing well there and I went all on LinkedIn. Now it panned out for me, but I should have stayed with one of those. I should have stayed with YouTube and I should have just kept doing on uh, LinkedIn. I should have stopped. YouTube had gone harder on LinkedIn. I should have been
0: going hard on both. Yeah. Okay. So leveraging more than the one channel that you were leveraging.
1: Yeah. I mean, cause they were both doing well. I should have just kept it going. I stopped because I was just really focused on the training side, but I should have been more focused on that,
0: which again, it's part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. This is really good. I mean, I like, I think I've, I've gone, had that same aha moment, Morgan. I've gone recognized that I haven't established a YouTube voice and uh, you know, I haven't been able to promote my podcast as much as I could because YouTube's an incredible platform to be able to do that. And the other one was newsletter. So that's really interesting to hear you share that. And for for for, for salespeople that are, you know, not just watching this but have been thinking about wanting to create content, I mean, that have been reluctant to. What's the biggest piece of advice that you've got for them?
1: Well, most people say that. Salespeople and revenue and mar- or revenue tech, marketing and sales tech are the only people that are successful, based on what I've seen. That is not true. Um, I've had people that are in security, uh, governance, DevOps mm-hmm. that have been successful creating content. They're not getting hundreds and thousands of likes, but that's not the point of the content. The point is to get visibility with your audience so that they know who you are. Yeah. So you know, if they're getting inbounds from C suites, then it's something potentially people need to pay attention to. <laughs> I think we get too caught up in the likes and the comments, even though you know I can you know. I could speak to that. Like I've I've had that before, it continuously will happen, but I think it's really focusing on what is the purpose of your content is to get inbound or consider or whatever that may be, right? These are things that are important. So to go back to it as a sales rep, it's just ultimately where we're going. Outbound is going to get harder, selling is going to get harder. If your buyers are active on a platform, you should be doing something. Uh once a week, it's like not that much time. It really isn't. Yeah. If you're already studying your buyers in your industry and you're providing your two cents you have the time to do this it just comes down to what you're doing now there are going to be people who are successful who are not going to or are not going to create content and they're still going to be madly successful i'm just saying you have a high you have a better competitive edge if you
0: are yeah that's it. i love that right you're right cuz you've got that edge yeah if you're out there and it's not always about the likes and the comments, it's about that visibility. That's that that's something I also wanted to ask you. Um, because I've I've had this, I've had people will reach out to me directly on my phone, for example, text message or email about a post, but they didn't comment or like on the actual post itself, but it resonated enough with them, or oh, that sent me a DM on LinkedIn. Mm. So talk to us about that, that importance of creating that content to create awareness to really engage with your audience, even though you might not be able to see that they're actually engaging with it.
1: The biggest piece is that you never know who is watching, (laughs) right? You just don't. And so it just comes down to being consistent. It's just like, hey, you know what? For the next six months, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna see what happens. And that's the way you have to treat it. If you look at really anyone who does anything, it's just like, hey, I'm gonna do this for six months, we'll do it for a year, see what happens. And that's the way you have to think about content. So, yeah, even though you may see no one engage with you, people may be like, oh, like this is da da da. At some point, like people are gonna notice or you find out that it's not worth it and then you move on. I live in just trying something to see if it works or not. And if it doesn't work, at least you know.
0: Yeah. And what do you do there? So, if you've put out some content for a period of time, it's not resonating. What's your process in reviewing that? Because I know that you've given me this coaching before as well. But what's your process around reviewing that content and then saying, right, I need to pivot. I need to make a change here because it's
1: not uh yeah, there's a couple of things. So if you look at it from the perspective of okay, I've been putting this content out here, no one is getting anything at all. You just look at the posts that have like at least some likes or comments that like resonated. So maybe it was a topic or the style. Yeah. And it's like, Okay, maybe we need more of that. You find the ones that are not good at all, and you just never do that again. Yes. It's pretty much like how that works. <laughs> um, and then you just double and triple double double down on what works. And I just see, is it a photo? Is it a personal story? Is it whatever? Uh, I've gone through my own content analysis in the past six to eight months. The stuff that I thought would perform really well is not. And the stuff that's performing really well, I had no idea that people actually would like this. So it's been interesting. So now I have to personally shift the way that my perspective, my strategy is, and that will happen in the next couple of weeks, but I don't let it like get me down and be like, oh man, like whatever. It's just like things shift. I mean, it's just like anything, um, and sport you know over time people have to change their game based on where they're at and you also have to make those adjustments as well i think it's the same thing in content so i just see what works what's liking what what people are liking what people are dm me about what are they asking me questions about and then then i'm like all right i need to shift
0: towards that yeah this is good advice i mean i know i just recently spent like hours on a piece of content i was like this is going to be incredible (laughs) i posted it and then Nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, oh, got right. it. <laughs> um, hey, can I also ask, because I know I've been on the receiving end of this as well, and you've got a much bigger audience than me. Um, how did you cope with? some of the people that would provide negative feedback to you and negative and criticism about your content.
1: Yeah. So I had actually had a lot in 2016, 2018. Now I don't really, I don't really get a whole lot because I moved past that mold, but in the beginning it was tough. I got a lot of negative comments around age, race, all these different things, because it was because like no one had seen it before. So no one knew how to react. So obviously people act out an activity when they don't know how to react to something. So it got me down, especially for the yeah. first couple of months. Like it sucked because like, I don't know these people like I, and also I'm not even speaking anything malicious. Like I didn't attack anybody, right? It wasn't like I was doing negative content that led to negativity. I yeah. was just trying to help people, right? So I was like, I don't even know why I'm getting this right now. So ultimately how I got over it is that no one knows 100% of me. So yeah. what that means is that no one knows like me 100%. So any feedback that they give me is only in a, is only in a vacuum of a one, probably a 0.01% of me as a person because they saw one piece of content that they didn't like and they got angry about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I ha- that has nothing to do with me and I feel more sorry for the person that even has negativity. To be transparent with you, in seven years, I have left zero negative comments because I don't have time for it. The only comments that I leave that are near negative are constructive criticisms where I don't agree with something, but I'm always like kind about it. But I've never gone on my way to like bash someone or come after somebody because I don't live in a world of negativity and that's just not my, that's not my, that's not my lane. So anyone who has any negativity or goes out of their way to say something mean to you, there something's more wrong with them than it is with you. So I tend to ignore it because it's mostly irrelevant, unless it's someone that I value. But they wouldn't come at me with negativity; they would come out of concern and actually try to help me. So most at this point, like if I see something negative, I I actually laugh at it. I either will respond like thanks for your comment, or I just won't reply, and those people just go away. So it's like to me, it's like a super simple thing now but it does take time.
0: Yeah. Cause I struggled with it when it first happened to me. Like when I started my podcast, um, I got a few not so nice comments about uh the way that I speak on my podcast. And uh, at first it was a bit I found it quite challenging. Um, but then I flipped it. I just I flipped it personally and thought, you know what, at least I took the time to listen to the whole podcast and then give me feedback, right? So yeah, at least i got an extra listener on my uh on my um uh listen count. So now I just got a couple of questions and I would love Stacy, Shane, anyone, Regan, um, to chuck chuck some questions in the chat. Um, but what's been your here we go, what's what What's been your best and worst performing content?
1: That's an incredibly difficult question to answer. I've done so many. <laughs> um, uh, I saw that question earlier. It's like I really don't know the answer. Like I don't think about. I really don't think about what the worst thing ever was. Um, the best performing content as a whole. I have to put it as a series. I can't point it to one post. It's probably season one, Muffins of Morgan. It was during COVID. Uh, I did it during Saturday morning at 11 a.m. A uh, very consistent audience uh, led to actually a lot of pipeline deals that I got. It led to a very, very strong community. Uh, we had like 100 to 200 people live that watch the show on a Saturday morning. Um, I did that for a year to every single Saturday. So, you know, over 50 episodes. It was a blast to do. I brought it back in season two. Yeah. I do it on Fridays, So it's not the same as Saturdays. Some people that could come to Saturdays can't come on Friday's. So it's it's a lesser amount. It'll get it'll grow to the same amount uh, in the future, but it's just a different style. You know how it is. Season one of something typically people love it, right? Season okay. two, where I'm doing different iterations of it, and there's just more people now. So that's a part of it. I would say that's been my favorite and the best performing piece of content. Um, the worst. I mean, I think the worst performing content if I had to think about it theme wise, cause I, I don't really think about what was the worst ever is things that were like longer, probably in like the earlier days, it was like my longer form videos when I was like in my car doing videos back in the day. Yeah. Uh, and they just like weren't good at all. It's like me yelling and being way too excited. So <laughs> it's probably like my worst performing content I could think of if I'm like Kind of racking my brain around it across okay. the board
0: okay it's good and uh here we go this is thank you stacy what format of content are you finding is resonating most at the moment for me personally or for other yeah, people for you uh, and stacy is that for you for, is that for, for other?
1: For i mean for other people actually it's a different answer than for me personally right now yeah because then there's, there's a lot of context there so i'm trying to figure i can answer for me but i don't know if you're saying like are you finding as in like with other people out there so those are two different answers.
0: I'd love to get your opinion because I think you know I've seen both. Great, Stacy. Because I've seen some <laughs> of course. <laughs> I see some people just hammer the bloody the polls, you know, poles, 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 poles to get, you know, the boost of the algorithm. Um, yep. and then it's carousels, carousels, carousels. But like what are you seeing? So there's three three things. Um but
1: I'll talk about myself. For me, it's actually been personal stories. Those have been performing I mean the best which that's not my typical lane. I'm like kind of like black and white tactical. Here you go. Those are not, Doing as well as they used to in the past, but again, I've been doing that for like six years, and it like it worked. Right now, it's not. So I'm like, that's interesting. But I've given out a lot of that, so I've actually found that people want to know more about me personally uh, and the journey that I'm on as a founder. That is actually hitting home way harder. Mm-hmm. So now I've had to shift the way I think about things, which is fine. But also, people want to know about like AI, my think on an AI. So it's just it's just different. So once yeah. I realized that that's what people wanted, uh, that's why last week I spent some time doing like hundreds of videos around. Like my journey, um, AI, my, my challenges, and not like a wine fest, because I don't believe in that. I'm not sharing like my deeper, darkest secrets. But I think the biggest miss, and you know, you all can let me know as well. I think the biggest miss on LinkedIn is people talk about like big wins or like I started this company and I only spit two bucks. It's like none of these stories are actively real. And I personally get a little sick of them because like I know the people behind the scenes and like that's not the truth. Uh, because I am a creator, so I actually know a lot of these people, and they're like not speaking the real truth. So I, I personally got sick of it. And so I decided to just talk about real challenges, but like how I'm handling them. Here's a solution to this. Here's what I'm thinking and and really guide people on this bootstrap journey that I'm on because I don't have funding, right? I'm just I'm doing this from the ground and I want to show people like how that's done. I have found those to be actually the most successful. Uh, and Stacy, that's a good question. I've actually found the images with the text is has been helpful. Um, the videos have also been massively impactful. I did a week long week long launch and I had the best feedback from the videos that we put out there from the team that I have uh, that people were like, this is the best content we've seen from you in years. So I was like, great, okay. So videos, personal stories, images and text. I'm leaning more towards that. Now for other people, it's gonna be different because I've been around for a while. So I've realized that people want to know me, want to know me more personally than the tactics and tips I share because I've just shared so much of it. So they're like, I think there's people who are shifting towards like, I'd rather see this side. Fair. Okay. That's what, that's what we're going to provide the audience. Carousels, massive win for a lot of people. People are really good at design. They kill it there. Two is just overall picture yeah. plus text, selfie. That's been working really well. And then some people are just sharing like, personal stories based on their experience so i've seen um one person he's like a vc he shares his experiences on like the vc world one person who's like a five-time founder so they talk about like their experiences and what they've done in the past i think people want that like in Mm. the trenches i've done this thing here's how i did it that's working really well um anything outside of that i don't see performing
0: Mm, yeah this is really good and i mean I, i don't know about everybody else on this call right but i've got like literally a page of notes here. So if you were late to the session um if you you know definitely jump on and 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 listen check some of the earlier content right the angels fort waterfall method angels fall method the five pillars of content what do you want to be known for so there's been so much great content. Now the one question because Shane I know the type of companies that you sell to but are you selling into large enterprise cool. um C level um but mate Morgan, what tips do you have for selling to enterprise C-level?
1: So before I answer this question, is this so, I think there's a, there's a difference between enterprise sales and selling into the enterprise. I could sell into Salesforce for a, like a, you know, a $10,000 deal versus like selling to Salesforce and doing like a $500,000 deal. Two different realms. So if you're asking about enterprise sales, I'm not the best person to answer this question transparently. However, if you're asking like, I'm selling it to a big company, but like I'm doing like a SMB mid market deal, I can guide on that. So if you give more context on what that is, I wanna make sure I answer this question appropriately on what you're asking. Um, More so I'm in the sales cycle or like, or like, hey, this is a massive deal. Cause if it's a massive deal, like I actually can't help you, <laughs> I'm being real with you. But if it is like, I'm selling into like a sales force and Slack, but it's like not that big of a deal. Um, Okay, opening doors, perfect. I can help you with that. So. Um, the best way to do this is like bottom bottoms up. So I call it groundswell prospecting. I don't know exactly what you sell, but. I'll give you an example of what, I, what I've what i done before. So I was looking to get this company, very big. Executives aren't answering cold emails, shocker. So I wanted to get into for sales training. So what I would do is on LinkedIn for first degree connections, you can send a voice note and I connect with sales reps. Connecting with sales reps is like a 99.99% acceptance rate. So what I would do is just send them a voice note and say, hey, thanks for accepting my connection request. I don't know if you know or not, but you can use voice notes to prospect. So I wanted to give you that tip, but I have a question for you. Uh, I've been looking to reach out to Bob and Sally about sales training and I don't really know if that's on your radar right now for SDR prospecting training. But if it is, like, do you know the best person to reach out to? And if it's impactful for us, for you right now, would love to get some feedback on that. So I would do that to a couple of reps. And now what I'm doing is I'm gathering information like a detective. So then once I can get the clues, I can reach out to them and have some more context. Now, at the end of the day, like, are, is everyone going to answer you? No, right. There's no silver bullets here. And I, if you expect that, then again, I'm the wrong person. However, what you will get is you will get information from them that you could leverage. And I always ask people like, Hey, can I like use this information? Is it okay if I use your name? If they say no, that's completely fine. Like it doesn't matter. I now have more context on what's happening in the organization. So now I can do my due diligence. I can actually have some type of intent data moving forward. There is obviously intent data and tools, but your best intent data is the people who are already at the organization yeah. who are sitting in the meetings and
0: knowing what's going on. You know what? That is gold. Absolutely awesome, Shane. Because that for that feedback, that groundswell. Because what exactly what Morgan is doing there is getting real relevance from people in the business, and then turning that insight or that information to create the relevant reason for reaching out to the person in that seat, um, and that. the key right relevance will always beat personalization yeah because people want to know how does this matter to me why does why should i care about this so for me i love i love what you shared and morgan i could keep talking to you for hours mate and uh because (laughs) you're you're a great content contributor but i just want to say and everyone um morgan's link He'll also be in the notes in our community uh, of where you can engage with him. Go and say thank you. Um, check out, he's got some incredible content. He's got incredible courses as well on LinkedIn that you can get, and they're free, right? You don't have to pay for them. That's part of your LinkedIn, just getting when you get access to LinkedIn. I just want to say, Morgan, thanks for the contribution you made. You've helped me. You've given me coaching personally, which has helped me in my content journey. So I want to say thanks, um, and thanks for being part of um, on you know a part of our community and just before you do go outside of LinkedIn, where is the best place for our listeners and our our um, viewers to find? Okay, okay. So
1: this is this is actually this is actually timely because I didn't mention this and now that you've just mentioned it, like it, <laughs> it, it, it just uh, talk about negativity. So YouTube is where you can find me. I'm looking to I'm going back on YouTube round two uh, on this and I actually want to comment on what David you said earlier. Uh, That is actually my advice is typically to focus on one. However, LinkedIn and and YouTube at the time for me, they were both growing at like a very steady and good pace and I could effectively do both. And I would have, at the end of the day, I would have continued that pace because I lost momentum on YouTube because I was doing it in 2016. So if I would have stayed consistent for seven years, I would have had way more subscribers and I would have figured it out. And then I could have probably had someone help me do the YouTube videos plus LinkedIn and make it, and made it work. So. It was a unique scenario for me. Uh, I typically focus on one. That's why I got rid of Instagram. I don't regret doing that on Instagram. I kind of like, yeah, I could have been doing more on YouTube. But if you want to find me somewhere else, YouTube, Morgan J. Ingram, uh, I just started posting more there. I'm looking to get more active. Like I just said, I just got a lot of videos I just did. So it's going to be it's going to start being fast and furious for real. And that has actually been hard for me because on YouTube shorts, I get I get roasted by people sometimes. <laughs> so I, I'm like, yo, what? And so it's just not I haven't I've been used to, I haven't been roasted in a while. I've been no one's been coming after me lately so you know for like a couple years i've been good like on linkedin everybody's everybody's chill everyone's like oh it's morgan whatever No hostility but on youtube man shorts they be coming after me tiktok they be coming after me savages so i'm like wait hold up like y'all don't know what i am on linkedin but no on all seriousness like yeah it's a it's a humbling experience so um you can also follow me on twitter as well i talk about this whole i talk about the whole entire journey on youtube shorts i share my statistics uh good, bad, ugly. I'm like, hey, y'all, like I got killed on this. I literally posted like, y'all, I posted a short, I had like one view and I was like, what, what is this? I was so <laughs> mad. And I was like, this is what, am I even good anymore? So yeah, it's, I don't know, it's fun. It's fun because it's like, it's just a humbling thing. Like you get really good at something and then you like, go to another platform and you start from zero, which was probably the best advice I got from someone. I was talking to another creator and she was like, yeah, you got to realize when you go to a new platform, like you have to start from zero. You can't take your success from LinkedIn and, and think it's gonna happen immediately because you're you did that on LinkedIn. And I was like, yeah, that's a good point. So now I'm just had that start from zero mindset and it's allowed me to really shift and create good content. So a little bit of a rant there, but like, I don't know, I just now that you mentioned that I was like, yeah, I've been getting cooked over there. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, I'm sure you'll get a whole bunch of people from our community who quickly subscribe to your YouTube channel and we will make sure we give you positive feedback on your short and your content. And so, I hope so. <laughs> I just want to say thanks, brother. Uh, thanks for for, uh, for for being a big supporter of mine as well, man. And thanks for for, for showing up in our community and giving some valuable content.
1: Absolutely. Uh, y'all have a blessed rest of your day and you know, see y'all soon.